Hey guys, and welcome to the Family Business Indaba podcast. We are the voice of African family business, promoting generational wealth and generational legacies. And my name is Susan Tendi. And I am Nika Amani. And we're going to be taking you through the journey of African family business. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this second session on the second day of the African Women and Family Business Conference. And in this session, this session is going to be led by Seho Fatso Moatwi. She is coming in, streaming in from Botswana, and um, we are so excited to have you and your panelists. And I'm just going to hand over the session to you, Seho. Thank you, Didi. Good afternoon and welcome all. Thank you for joining us to celebrate and to commemorate International Women's Day. Today in our annual Women and Family Business Conference, themed phonics, we will be showcasing women and family firms overcoming their limitations, women that blaze the trails for future generations. I'm Tsokofa Tsomwatsui. I'm a mother, a wife, an entrepreneur and founder for the Wire Media Agency, which is a, it's in the technology sector. Um, today, I'm joined by Katako Mokheti and Lusanda. Um, I'm going to give you a chance, ladies, to introduce yourself. First, I'll start with you, Lusanda. Hello, everyone. I'm super delighted to be joining you today. And thank you so much, Tehofato and your team, for inviting me. Um, by way of introduction, my name is Lusanda. And I'm South African, but currently living in Botswana. Um, proud founder and CEO of an organization called Dream Factory Foundation. And together with my husband, we are running a passion project called Lou and B. I'm delighted to be here. So thank you so much. Okay. Uh, Lusanda, could you kindly um, let us know what you do, your company and your services? So Dream Factory Foundation um, is actually an NGO. We started in Cape Town, South Africa, and uh, expanded to Botswana, but we're currently also running projects in Zimbabwe, as well as in Cameroon and expanding to Malawi as well. We're focusing on the empowerment of young people and women using education. So we run several educational projects, and we focus on skills that are Um, we feel are the best catalysts, the skills that can develop young women and youth this time. So your entrepreneurship, so that young people can take agency on digital skills, taking advantage of the digital age. Particularly in Botswana, we're focusing um, on agriculture um, because we believe so strongly in the power of people to be able to fend for themselves, especially for the future. Um, And then, of course, now with my husband, we're doing, we're very passionate about um, promoting African products, um, organic products, authentic products. And so at the moment, we've just launched a range of products, your shea butters from Ghana, your black soaps, um, glycerin soaps. And it's really about promoting the beauty that is Africa and taking it to the rest of the world. Beautiful, beautiful and great stuff there. Thank you so much, Lusanda. And then Katako, would you kindly introduce yourself? Thank you very much, Tsuho. I'm very happy to be here chatting with the ladies on International Women's Day. I couldn't have imagined a better way to spend my afternoon. I'm very happy to be here. Um, 
I do real estate um, and entrepreneurship development. My company, um, Vandekata, is a real estate um, venture that focuses on commercial property and high-end residential real estate doing sales and lettings. Uh, however, the company is currently in a lengthy transition of moving from relocating from Botswana to South Africa. Um, and I do entrepreneurship development through Market Players. Market Players is a nonprofit organization um, that does incubator, accelerator, and uh, access to market opportunities for entrepreneurs in Botswana, particularly SMEs. Um, the whole vision of Market Players is to reduce the failure rate of citizen-owned businesses in Botswana. This was inspired by an observation that locally owned businesses remain SMEs for the entire for their entire duration and they usually die with their founders. And we wanted to address that situation of saying, let's develop locally owned SMEs into multinational corporations that can even outlive the founders and be as competitive in the international market. The same way we see uh, brands like Coca-Cola, we see brands like uh, FNB, MTN, you name it. So that is why we do what we do about market players. I'm very, very passionate about entrepreneurship development. I would really say that every single thing that I do through real estate and uh, I'm also looking into getting into waste management, every single thing that I do in business really leads toward, towards the passion, which is market players. Market players is the, is the end goal, you know, so um, that's my baby and that's, that's what keeps me alive. <laughs> Thank you so much. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much. Do you have any projects you're currently working on? at the moment or? Yeah, um, one of the things that is a big, big priority for us and market players right now is to set up an entrepreneurship, uh, an entrepreneurship hub for entrepreneurs here in Botswana. So, you know, the whole concept of the entrepreneurship hub is to have a, a base for entrepreneurship development programs. Um, so the way to work, it, it will offer virtual office solutions for entrepreneurs because we know rent is the biggest challenge and biggest impediment for growth for entrepreneurs, especially startups, you know. So we want to offer that solution of giving them virtual offices as well as sitting offices. You know, they, these um, sectors in the industry where you simply cannot operate without an office space uh, offer that solution but at a subsidized rate and at a subsidized rate but also enable us to run our incubator and accelerator programs um, so that's currently the main main focus we recently held a relay marathon that was intended to raise funds for the entrepreneurship hub called 21 kilometers for 21 reasons we convened young entrepreneurs 21 young entrepreneurs who ran 21 reasons why it is important to prioritize entrepreneurship development in Botswana and also uh, raise funds towards the entrepreneurship hub. So we'll also be hosting in September the Africa Convention. I would like to actually invite the ladies to come to Botswana in September and experience Botswana and experience opportunities that are available for doing business and expanding into Botswana and partnering with uh, entrepreneurs here, particularly youth and women. Thank you so much, Tsoho. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Katlaho. And thank you again for the invite. September is an event not to be missed, I guess. Um, today we're celebrating Women's Month and we'll be talking about overcoming challenges faced by women entrepreneurs in Africa. Um, Lusanda. Hi, I'm still here. 
Oh, great. Okay. No, what are the challenges? <laughs> okay. What are the challenges we face as women in this era? Yo, I mean, I definitely speak on behalf of all women. And first of all, let me just say hi to Katleho. It's great to meet you. Um, so, yes. So, for me, sure. I think the most distinct one that I can remember specifically um, was, you know, uh, part of our philanthropic work as Dream Factory in Botswana specifically. We're running an agricultural initiative in a village called Jakalas 2. It's called, you know, Adopt a Village. And the whole concept is around um, building sustainable livelihoods within what is located in the village. And so one of our uh, things was to test was to take raw ground and to turn it into a farm that's viable. That could be this pilot initiative. And so throughout that journey, I noticed that A, I was the only woman in, you know, I was, as I was contracting people to come and service, do difference, whether it was clearing or building the house, I was dealing with a lot of men and I was dealing with a lot of elderly men and, um, and being South African, you know, there's a way that we communicate and there's a way that I had to learn to communicate. But in the midst of it, what happened was that um, one of the elderly men from the village came uninvited and he physically assaulted me because he wanted money. And so that completely changed the game because now I, I, I had to think about my safety I had to go to the hotline to report him at the police. And now I'm engaged. I'm in this foreign country and totally in this kind of situation setup I've never been in before. And I was very much aware that it's because that response was because I'm a, I'm a woman. And, um, and so for me, it's a very strong example of the, within this particular sector that I was in and particular ge- geographical location um, that then I had to bring in other men to speak on my behalf, as opposed to me now addressing um, these men. So, so this is this these this is personally for me the kind of challenges that I've had to go through and think through and be intentional around um, in trying to champion our cause. So, yeah, male domination, right? I mean, I wouldn't say male domination is a problem. I think the mindset, you know, True. with in, in the village, how they treat women, how they see women, um, that women can't necessarily be in power or the specific way that you have to address men. I think those those kinds of ingrained cultural behaviors, um, those are the challenges. Um, and, and in that particular instance, it wasn't for me to fight, but it was for me to protect myself and then see if there's an opportune time as we build the relationship with the village um, to see how can we address these things. Very true. Okay. And then, Dr. Ho? The question is the challenges. Yes, overcoming challenges faced by us women, as women entrepreneurs in Africa. Yeah. I think um, I generally approach the, the marketplace um, expecting it, expecting to be patronized, expecting to be underestimated uh, because I experienced it when I was still in corporate. I experienced it, I experienced it in, 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 in being an entrepreneur. So I suppose it's, ne- it's never a huge shock for me. And I'm sort of at a 
point where I'm a bit indifferent about um, those perceptions that are sort of projected onto me by virtue of me being a woman. Because I realized that if I gave it too much of my power and energy, it was going to really dishearten me and discourage me. Reason being, I can't change my being a woman. I can change my being young. But I found, because I started business when I was around 24, 25, 2016, yeah, I think I was about, I had just turned 25. 24? Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I was young. So on top of being patronized by virtue of being female, you're being patronized because you are young and you, you sort of get profiled, you know, this pretty young girl with a red lipstick thinks she can just come here and be cute. You sort of get reduced to that, you know. So I got to a point where I said, you know what? This battle, I'm not going to fight by directly challenging those people with those perceptions. Because the truth is, some of these battles, I don't believe we're going to win in this generation. We, all we can do is raise our sons better and raise our daughters better so that they are they've got a different line of thinking and a different perception to women and how to respect and handle each other, you know? So I'm generally like that. I think I'm, I'm, I'm that's why I'm always so reluctant to, uh, and I'm sorry to the ladies here, if it seems like I'm being uh, a bit uh, dismissive of some of these initiatives, like women, um, International Women's Day and so on and so forth. It's, it's, I tend to just take a stand a step back and observe and say, really, are we always going to keep up, set, keep on setting out one day out of the month to make a fuss and then the next day we're back to the boardroom where we're being disrespected and sort of sexualized and reduced to nothing. So what I try to focus my efforts on is how do I address this issue in a sustainable manner? How do I set a different precedent? You know, how do I get on the on the ground and do my work and uh, and my stripes and base everything that I do based on merit. I think that already sets a different tone about how we want to be addressed as women. How do I include women in everything that I do? Every project that we do as market players, we always emphasize on youth and women. I think those are the only saving graces or, or things that I find solace in. Because I realize coming every other uh, International Women's Day to say, support women for me it's it's gotten to a point where i'm like it's exhausting for me i want to get on the ground throughout the year year after year day after day and do active work and practical work that would actually advance the agenda of women to be an example yeah i think to be an example of that yes Yes. yeah because you know it's so easy to go to talk about it talking about it and how, how many women have excelled in this world look at women like oprah you know a billionaire but people still don't change their perception of of women women have shown generation after generation that they are uh, capable that they are exceptional that they are trailblazers so many women before us you know but still we're dealing in 2022 at my age i'm still being to a large extent treated the same way women two decades, three decades ago, we're being treated. So for me, I'm at a point of saying, 
I just think we just need to get on the ground, do the work, pull, roll up our sleeves and really earn our stripes and encourage young women to also come on board. So that's how I deal with it on, 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 on a regular. Very true, Katapa. It's very true what you just said. Okay, Lusanda. Hi. Yes. Um, is there any advice or add-ons you'd like to say to what Katapa just said? In terms of how to respond to challenges? Yes. Yeah, for me, I think, you know, this week I've been part of several conversations with women coming together and just talking about these things. And I just realized how powerful women are, how generous women are, and how amazing we are when we do come together. We are a mighty force. And I think sometimes um, because these issues are, are, are so inbuilt and ingrained and, and, and are of a, um, have taken years, don't fight the battle alone. Um, you know, even right now, I was in a, in a, in a conference in Donota and there are about 10 pa- panelists of us, each with their own expertise. And it was just so refreshing and incredible to hear, you know, all these mighty voices coming together to support another woman during this event. And so I think that some of the challenges that we often hear is that women are fighting women. You know, we're not supporting each other, main, purely because of could be our emotional nature, whatever it is, whatever syndromes. But For me, I think this week has just been an incredible reminder that when we do come together as women, we are an incredible force. And gay history tells us anyway, you know, that when we have come together and fought against a particular cause, things shifted. So that would be my number one um, advice. Let's come together. So even me, as I'm thinking, how can I support her? How do we do linkages? How do we move together? This is what we need right now. Because the other thing is, let's say one woman might be strong at an issue that you're weak at, and that's what you need. And so that's how creating these networks is so important. If I may interject there, Lusanda, I'm very happy that you mentioned that, uh, you know, the issue of women supporting women or us sometimes being our own demise. You know, that's a very true situation and i it's a touchy topic that i feel like we need to really address because recently i sat in in in, in a session we were just discussing startups uh, and the startup ecosystem in botswana and one of the ladies there said something very powerful she said you know we we face so many challenges but women sometimes we are pandemic ourselves you know, you get there and you find that it's Lusanda and I just don't want to support her because it's a woman like me. And it's sort of like you, we operate in the silos where I want to advance, but leaving behind the rest of the women. So it's sort of counterproductive, that sort of line of thinking and that mentality. And we really need to be exemplary by continuously holding hands and supporting each other in that way. I really like that you, you, you bring that topic up. We just need to remove the fear from us. Like you're saying, maybe they feel that, no, it's just competition here. If I can go buy from Katlaho or maybe partner with Katlaho or support Katlaho's business and all, it's something that really needs to go away. Very true. Most definitely. Okay. So, and then one other thing, what's the advice? This is for you, Katlaho. What advice can you give to upcoming entrepreneurs out there? 
Um, ja, I've got a mouthful. How much time do I have? We <laughs> have time to go. I think we have maybe 30 minutes to go. Oh, Jesus. Um, I, I, you know, I, I just like to tell the honest truth about the truth about entrepreneurship. And I believe that we need, Africa needs entrepreneurs. We need people that are innovative and are leading and are part of solutions. But I realized because most of us are first generation entrepreneurs and uh, we've never really experienced being on the ground and what it requires to build something, especially from nothing. You know, most of us, because of being first generation entrepreneurs, being unresourced, not having um, maybe trust funds that we can start with start our ventures with. we are literally starting from nothing and we find ourselves more often than not not having that much support because you are also being surrounded by people that don't really understand the enterprise culture uh, not because it's ill intended but just that they don't understand it and they, they don't they are not able or they don't have the capacity to support you through the challenges you know and I, I just like to encourage entrepreneurs that as much as we say, come on the entrepreneurial side and we say, we encourage you and we'll support you, come braced yourself, come braced knowing that building from nothing and building, uh, being unresourced, being um, probably for the most part unsupported, it's a very difficult journey. Come knowing that, come braced. And when you face those challenges, know that they're actually very, very normal. It's not that you're doing anything all that wrong. It's not that you are on, you're not, you're not on the right track. Know that this is actually the normalcy of the journey of entrepreneurship. So don't be disheartened and give up because you face challenges over and over and over again. You know, uh, one of the things that I learned to do in my entrepreneurial journey is um, rock bottom has several floors. It's not just one floor of rock bottom. You fall, hit rock bottom, and then when you think, no, it can't get worse than this, you fall some more and some more and some more and some more. And, you know, it's very important for us to know that those are actually very, very normal. Embrace it. I keep saying, you know, embrace the the hard times, enjoy them. The same way you enjoy the good times. Life is like that, it's up and down. So the same way you are happy and excited when things are good, just enjoy and embrace the, the hard times. Consider them just a normal part of life. So those are some of the things that I like entrepreneurs to know when they come into entrepreneurship and really be rooted, be grounded because entrepreneurship, is there's no script there's only so much advice someone can give you. I can tell you what I can tell you, but most of it you need to learn on the ground and you need to experience it yourself. You will realize that there's no, there's not all that much reference point. Trust your instinct, stick to your guns, and be very, very rooted in what you believe in and what you set out for. And, you know, I, I'm a very spiritual person. I believe that as much as human beings are spiritual beings, if we are entrepreneurs and we are spiritual beings, then entrepreneurship is a spiritual thing. You need to pray for your business. You need to pray for who comes to do business with you, for the clients that come to do business with you, to ensure that you are not surrounded by people that are not serving your greater goal. So pray through everything. Have a lot of faith. It, entrepreneurship requires faith. 
It requires you to be faithful and to keep on sowing and sowing and sowing. And you can only sow faithfully. Wow, wow, Katlaho, beautiful, beautifully said, God first, right? Lisanda, any advice for upcoming entrepreneurs out there? (laughs) I honestly feel like Katlaho said it all, guys. Like, somebody has just, amen. (laughs) (laughs) Someone has preached to you, like, amen. Like it's okay, guys. Like, don't add it. Like, it's really okay. Like, the girl did it. Like, she said it at all. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's okay. Thank you. That does get to my next point that we need to encourage each other because it's tough. It's tough. It's Mm. really when someone is doing well. Just give it to them. Let them know, like, yo, you did it. Because you don't know what it took to get there. Mm-hmm. Or can, yeah, especially as entrepreneurs, by like, hey, like, by the time you land that Series A, that Series B, been a journey, like, many sleepless, a lot of no meals, it's real. So I think the more we can encourage each other and give each other the props, the better. Beautiful. Beautiful. Lysanda? When we started, you mentioned that you're in a family business. How is it? How is it? Yo, I think it's, I mean, the, the business itself is doing well, I must say. Um, I'm, I, I'm a strong supporter of family business. And because I'm one myself, um, because the only thing with family business, say, like my dad, there were no Christmases for us. Say, hey, there's no nine to five in the family. There's no, like box you know it's like you come home you dealing with customers you have homework you dealing with customers like my dad was so strict that he would even beat me up like like dad i'm i'm tired like you'd be like hey business first like how are you gonna eat? So, so with family businesses and my family's particularly in the food industry which is literally like 24 7 well 10 p.m but it's, it's like monday to sunday it's very, very taxing. And so I think what I've learned is that truly, truly, there are some, there are some businesses where you, you need to get your family involved by nature of what it is, the intensity of, of what it is you're doing. So even with the foundation, for example, like now the business we launch is with my husband. So I've learned that it, it can become a lifestyle um, and so business has become our lifestyle as a family. We don't separate uh, between between the two um, so that we are flexible with our time. We can jump where we need to jump. Um, so yeah, I'm a strong, strong believer of family businesses. Look, you look at the Jews, if you look at the Muslims, if you look, just look at so many strong um, family units that are at a national nation level. It's those family. It's like within the family, um, it still remains a mystery to me why it hasn't been so strong in Africa. And so I'm really grateful that you guys have taken on the baton to have these kind of tough conversations. Because even for us, if for some reason in Africa, you're told that don't do business with family, like family with, will burn you. But when you go to the Africa, I mean, my husband the other day was telling me that he still remembers the farm visit that he did with his, the learner, the learn, um, one of his school kids, that he went to basically that all the class went to his farm 
rode horses, saw cows. Ing, ing. Now that guy, years later, my husband is coming back to Francistown. He's now running the farm. And now he's doing the same thing for his kids. And now my children, ah, guys, I'm just like, be. So, you know, so I'm really grateful that you guys have this platform that we can really talk. Why do you say that? Why in Africa we shouldn't have family businesses? No, and it's, it's, it's a good thing, like you mentioned, that we have to build the legacy for our children. Yeah, exactly. 100%. True, true. And then, Katla Well, my business is not a family business, but uh, I grew up with um, my father being an entrepreneur. For as long as I can remember, uh, my father has always been um, an entrepreneur. So I suppose I was exposed from a young age to the culture of doing business. However, it's like what Gusanda says, you know, we were not really involved in like, this is what the business does. Uh, you should learn from a young age that this is what's put, paying school fees. This is what's putting bread on the table. It was sort of, it's my dad's project there. Uh, we know he does business and that's just about, you know, and I think one of the things that, you know, my, my father and I were very close, but, and we had this conversation to say, in hindsight, she should have involved me more because then I grew up to be of, of all my siblings. I'm the one who's interested in entrepreneurship mostly. And she, in hindsight, it's like, you know, I would have groomed you to actually take over the family business and you would have grown so that you don't even have to start a whole separate, separate business altogether. You would have already been groomed to get into the business. But these are things that I suppose we, we, we learned as we grow or we learn in retrospect because you know our parents also they grew up knowing that you just want to put your kids through the best schools and they must get good jobs and excel um and i realized that some of the decisions that our parents made was not it's not ill intended it's because they didn't know they were just trying to to create better opportunities for us so my father worked very hard and he put us through the best schools and tried to get best opportunity for us so that we should get into corporate and get jobs that he never got you know he didn't go to school so he had to scrape the bottom of the barrels until he built a business for himself and he always told himself i want better opportunities for my children not knowing that the better opportunity could have been exactly what he was doing, the, the enterprise culture. So it, it, it's sort of those gaps that come because we just are new in this culture of doing business and we end up maybe not making the best decisions as a result. But I think it's a learning turn for all of us. Now, this generation, we know better. We know that um, getting a job in corporate is not the the you know it's not the ultimate thing entrepreneurship is actually a, 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 a better if not a, a really competitive course that kids can take on and we need to encourage that culture so that has been the challenge it's been that in my enterprise journey i sort of had to find my feet for the most part despite my father having been an entrepreneur because i was never involved in the family business you know and i, I suppose even he didn't trust that I could really run a business until he saw me doing my own business and like observing me year one, year two. He's looking at me like, okay, year three. Okay. My father started to really take me seriously as an entrepreneur. And like when I was year four, I think. And actually 
we were working on a site together and I subcontracted him. <laughs> and now we're on a site together and then he's like, you know, I think this child is really, really serious about entrepreneurship. I see that they respect. He no longer just looks at me as my little girl. It's like, this is an actual entrepreneur that I should take seriously, you know? So yeah, it's been quite a journey of learning and unlearning and relearning. <laughs> Yeah, I think like, we share a similar story, hey, because even for me, like my dad, like would almost ask me, like, what does this girl do? Like, what exactly? And it's only like media things, things like, oh, okay. Um, but the thing I wanted to touch on, though, was the transition in mindset for me. You know, when I grew up, my friends used to make fun of me because of like the skorokoro which is now Ikushesh in South Africa, it's Kushesh. And it's known as like a township cup. But in primary school, we didn't know this. And I won't, I will never forget this image, you know, because, you know, my dad like typically really did sell out of the boot of his car. And, um, and I, I had this very negative image about what it is my dad does until I think I was, became more intellectual at university when the, the term entrepreneurship was 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 actually became became sexy and for my dad you know given apartheid uh, history of south africa he didn't do entrepreneurship because he wanted to it was a point of necessity and so his uh gay his 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 his, his dream for his kids for example was not that they go and hustle and be entrepreneurs because for him it wasn't a sexy thing to do it was to be doctors to be attorneys and so you can imagine the shock now when now you you I'm saying, but dad, I want to be like you. And you hear this narrative because you're watching American TV series because America was so way ahead. You know, Americans have been embracing entrepreneurship way before us. So you're bringing that to the home and it absolutely appalled him. You know, in his mindset, entrepreneurship that we know now was for of necessity. It wasn't a career option. Mm. You see? And so I think that could also tr- contribute to, like, I, I was touched when Katlecho was like, yo, I've had to walk the journey and lo- alone, knowing that she had a father who was an entrepreneur. And it's the same with me. Like, I tried to sit with my dad, eh? like, da, da. I basically had to learn observing him, basically, because yeah. he didn't feel the need to impart anything. He didn't feel, you know, that what he was doing was could be elevated, even though he was proud of what he could achieve was for him. It was about his kids being educated, his kids being somewhere. So, yeah, I just wanted to say that I really can relate with your story. Yeah. And, you know, talking about embarrassing moments, we went, we went to a private school. Né? So my dad was doing a brick business. He was manufacturing bricks. Um, so he would come pick us up in the truck. You know the cheaper truck? <laughs> Yo. It will just be like, mm-mm. because everyone's dad is either like a policeman, a doctor, mm-hmm. and, you know, they all, but my dad, because he's like into construction, do manufacturing, all of that, he would come in his overalls and a cheaper truck to pick us up in an environment where, um, you know, no, everyone was coming with luxury cars and it's like, there's a certain image to uphold. So, no, at some point we say, Papa, pack the truck at the gate. <laughs> Look at that first gate and walk in, like really. And <laughs> this is how it, it just seems like now nah, entrepreneurship is not exactly the, the, the first 
career option that you're going to go for. So I think it's a lot of mindset change, Lisanda. You know, it's a lot that we need to do. Even now, even now, there's a lot of mindset change that we really need to do so that people don't think entrepreneurship is like a fallback plan. We see a lot of that. I can't get a job, so I, 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 I look into entrepreneurship. That's actually the sort of culture that we need to address so that people know that actually entrepreneurship can be your first option, you know? True. Very true. Very true. Um, ladies, this is the last one. Could you kindly share your trials and challenges and success in your journey as entrepreneurs? I think we've definitely you know, spoken about the challenges. For me, the greatest privilege, honestly, has been knowing that I'm doing what I'm called to do. Um, the sense of fulfillment and purpose is actually what keeps you going when the going. Mm-hmm we've just literally come out or still even me I'm still coming out with all the repercussions of COVID Um, but what really got me going is just that sense of knowing that I'm at the right place and I'm doing what I'm called to do and most entrepreneurs that you meet are really because it's been such an incredible sacrifice um, you have that strong sense of calling and conviction and of course um, my team you know being able to to walk with an incredible team, a team that you grow with, a team that you learn with, to contribute into their lives, their livelihoods, their futures, is just an incredible, incredible success. Um, I think it really outweighs them. I mean, there are some successes that you one can name, you know, one by one, but in terms of the, the tangible things that really sit with you, especially when entrepreneurship is not... Um, has just can't gone to that purpose level, which it has for me. It's just, there's no, there's nothing like it. Um, I've also enjoyed um, being in Botswana because I believe that this atmosphere is such an incredible, innovative space for one to think about the whole continent. Um, I think it, it produces so many incredible opportunities um, in terms of just, you're forced to create here, hey? hey. <laughs> You're forced to get up and produce with your hands. And if, some, if someone sees that as a point of opportunity instead of challenge, I really believe you'll do so well because the atmosphere, there's not too many of us yet. And so there's just room to grow, room to, 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 um, to learn, room to fall. Like Botswana is a soft landing spot. It's a safe landing space. So I've enjoyed my entrepreneurism even more um, living here. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much, Lucinda. Unmute your mic. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Uh, I was saying, I think Lucinda and I need to do coffee very soon because (laughs) me and her, we are resonating on a very deep level. She brings up something that is very important, purpose. You know, I mentioned earlier, I don't want to dwell on challenges but the challenges of entrepreneurship are almost inevitable. And it's the same thing. You can ask everyone who's uh, started a business from uh, nothing. It's financial challenges. It's operational um, challenges. It's bad investments. It's wrong decisions. It's wrong people. It's just, it's the same thing. And those are inevitable. If you're going to start a business, know that you're going to experience this. They must not even shock you. But what keeps you going is purpose 
its purpose and destiny. And if you are rooted in that and you really know what God called you for, that actually pulls you through. When you experience those painful, painful challenges, because you find yourself at a point where you actually deal with bread and butter issues. The struggle can get so intense that you're at a point where you can't even make rent, you can't buy bread, you can't buy milk. And when you get to those low points, you begin to question yourself, you begin to question um, whether or not you're on the right track. But if you know your purpose and you know exactly what God called you for in this world, you will stay rooted in that and that will pull you. And I keep saying, in entrepreneurship, you don't want to pull from a place of, of lag or a, pre, a place of, 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 of scarcity, of not, yeah, of scarcity, you know, of, of, of challenges. Like, I'm facing this challenge, so I'm going to pull from a place of frustration. You need to pull from a place of purpose because it's in front of you. The vision is in front of you. Let it pull you through all those challenges. So this is a very, very important point that Lucinda brings up to know what exactly God set you up for because it is what is going to sustain you. And, um, you know, my successes, I think I'm just very happy that I'm on my seventh year of business. Yeah, it should be seven years now. Six, seven, yeah. So I'm very bad with numbers. But yeah, oh, that's how far I've come. <laughs> I've, yeah, no. I'm on my seventh year. I'm six years in, but I'm on the seventh year. Um, and this is quite a big deal, you know, having pulled through all these years and through all these challenges of losing everything, every single thing, you know, and watching my whole world fall apart and losing friends and losing all of those challenges. And especially when I was so young, those things can be very, very disheartening. And I'm just so grateful that I've been able to pull through all of those challenges and be here right now to say I'm still on the journey. There's still so much hope, so much light in my path. And I'm just optimistic that this is only the tip of an iceberg. That that on its own is, I think it's a success to have to have really weathered the storms and swam the treacherous water and uh, kept on pulling and pushing myself. Um, and I'm just happy to share that I've been selected as one of the um, young African or African women in leadership that will be mentored by Mr. Tony Elumelo. This is a, a man that uh, really inspires me and I really admire because he doesn't just do entrepreneurship to, uh, to satisfy himself and his family. He does it to, for inclusive growth, to serve the communities in which he operates and to serve Africans and to ensure that he doesn't only advance on his own. Everyone around him and every African advances with him. This is something that really inspires me and I personally believe in. So to be selected to be mentored by him is something that I'm very proud of and I think it's sort of like a, a highlight of my career and it's, it's quite affirming. You know, it sort of says you're on the right track, you're doing something right. And... um. I don't know if I should share this. Okay, let me not share this just yet. But yeah, it's 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 <laughs> let me not share it yet. But yeah, this congratulations. This, the ink hasn't dried, but like this, there's so much good that's happening, and I'm just so happy. And uh thank you, thank you for having me. 
Congratulations, Kataho. That's a nice one. Thank you so much, ladies. The challenges that we listed here, limited access to funds, male dominations, lack of support networks, self-limiting factors. These were good topics that we covered. And then Lusanda, the product that you have that's new, could you kindly brief us about it? So I'm officially launching this beautiful product that I make from my kitchen all the way from Ghana. I mean, more, generally people know about black soap. Um, so that's why I was saying that I love being with Donna because I just like discovered this whole new creativity in me. So I just want to give one of these to your audience. You can decide how you're going to do it, how you're going to um, distribute it. It's black soap shampoo, well known for its exfoliating powers. In fact, actually, I know what to do. I'm sending one to Katleho. Yeah. Please do email me. Yay! Um, yeah. Yay! Awesome! Yeah. Mm, yes. 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 Definitely, yes. definitely. I was so like a sick leg, you know, Afro, so I think... <laughs> yes, and it's amazing to promote hair growth. Like, it's really oh, awesome. great, great product. Promotes hair growth, deep cleanser, also for stop spots. It's really, really amazing. So I'm going to email you probably after this, and you can just send me your details and then send this to you. Thank you so much, Lisanda. Actually, I, I, I would like to really experience this product because one of the things that we've been doing over the last year is taking products to, for exhibitions, you know, showcasing some of the amazing work that women from Botswana and youth and um, just Africa, we're a pan-African organization, so everything that is African we like to advance. So I want to carry it with me wherever I go and say, look at what amazing women are doing. <laughs> Yay! I'll <laughs> you know. be sending it to you then. Okay, wow. Thank you so much, ladies. I'm happy to have you guys. You guys made this day, Women International Day. Thank you so much for having, I'm so, thank you for showing up on the program. And till next time, I guess we'll communicate more. Most thank you so much, Sil. Thank you for having us. And thank you so much, Lisanda. You've been such a great sport. I look forward to our physical meeting. Yes, most definitely, most definitely. I'll send you the email now. Emma, thank you so much. Thank you, ladies. Ciao. Bye-bye. Thank you.